While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus, 508-996-0500. So you can join me. First, we're joined by Bristol County Sheriff Paul Harrell. Hey, Sheriff. Hey, Marcus. How you doing? Good. Thanks for joining me this evening. So, uh, anytime. So, you um, had an announcement today. Uh, there's a story on WBSM.com that people can check out if they want. But you had an announcement today that you're changing the recruit, uh, the hiring age for Bristol County uh, correction uh, officers. Um, what is the current age? Uh, what was the current? What was the age before, and what is the age now? And why did you change it? Yeah. So the um, age uh, prior to uh, today, uh, basically, they was 19 years old. And it had been like that for a long time. And so what we did was we not only reduced it to 18 years old, but we also are going to be taking applications from 17-year-olds for an effective start date of when they become 18 years old. So, you know, we can even get people processed a little bit quicker. And basically what we're doing is we're mimicking what the U.S. military does. Um, people can vote at 18. People can join the military at 18. And they can even start the processing of the paperwork before they're 18 years old. So, um, yeah, that's, what happened was yesterday we had our uh, twice-a-month recruitment and retention board meeting, and I've talked about that before in your program. It's sure. something where we have a cross-section of employees from, you know, throughout the deal. I'm sorry, the DLC, the uh, jail, where, you know, we kick around ideas and we try and promote things. And this is one of the things that came up. It was the conversation went something to the effect of, do we go to high school um, recruiting events, like job fairs, uh, or, you know, then they said, no, what's the point? You know, I was 19 years old. And I said, well, why is that? And they, they said, well, it's just a decision that was previously made. And I said, okay, well, I'm changing that, you know, because there are some 18-year-olds who are more mature than 19-year-olds. And um, it's sort of arbitrary, just that extra one year. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so we were, um, you know, so we decided to change that yesterday. And then this morning, Jonathan Darling, the public information officer, came in my office and said, hey, we should do a press release on that, let the public know. And I said, that's a good idea. And then he just handed one to me. He had already presented it. (laughs) We released that. And here we are now. Well, so um, what's the difference between, I mean, I know there's a, but I thought one of the interesting things in the press release actually was talking about like when you're 18, you're starting to explore options for how you want your career path to go. By the time you're 19, though, you might be on that trajectory, right? Well, yeah, the the job fairs that high schools offer were nothing we could really participate in because you had to be 19 years old. By 19, I mean, we wouldn't even start the paperwork until you're 19. Yeah. So we were excluding a lot of people who were taking other jobs that have similar responsibilities. You know, um, they have to receive a lot of training for it. And, you know, you're working in stressful, dangerous conditions. Um so they were uh, other people were taking those applicants and we weren't. So we 
are down about 100 correctional officers. And we said to ourselves, well, let's, you know, kind of lift some of these self-imposed handicaps that we have. You know, the vision standard was another one. It was unrealistically stringent to the point where we were losing applicants and they were going to other places and taking jobs in other, you know, uh, correctional facilities. It was like, well, why? Why are we doing that to ourselves? And I, I think that the philosophy used to be, it's, it's not under me, but the philosophy used to be, well, we're not going to lower our standards. It's like, well, some standards were just kind of stupid. I mean, they, they were just, they were needlessly stringent so we could brag about having high standards, but meanwhile, we didn't have enough correctional officers to even meet the positions. <laughs> so it, it really just didn't make any sense. It was very short-sighted. So vision um, vision requirement, can you can you talk about that a little bit? What was the vision requirement? I don't remember what the exact you know requirement was. It might have been 2020 or something very close to that. And Oh, they had to have it, 2020 vision to take the job? It was something very strict like that, yeah, and a lot of people don't have 2020. No. And especially with this generation of people who are growing up on devices where they're, you know, six, sometimes 10 inches away from their face. Um, their eyes are not as good as in the past, but they can do the job. They get a driver's license so they can do the job. So, um, I mean, people who were passing driver's tests were, were failing our vision test. So that just didn't make sense. And so we changed that as well. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, age standard we changed that and it's, it's paying off i mean the class that we just graduated in february had five people in it the class that we're looking at uh starting in april as of right now has well it has about 31 people it had 34 people but three other people are just not going to be processed in time but you know so wow we we've increased it by a factor of six times you know what's doing some of the incentives that we're doing Offering the five thousand dollar bonus as opposed to the fifteen, putting that payout much sooner. Um, offering stuff to vet, uh, people who are previously served in the military, or if they have other uh, first responder experience, and then the recruitment um, of people who have college degrees, whether it's an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree in certain fields, will give them one or even two step increase when they start. So that's why we. When I when I took over, we had a uh, an academy class of about, like I said, five people that we just graduated in February. That started in December, but now we have 31 people, actually 34 people, but only 31 are going to be able to be processed in time for the April class. Uh, and that's just, you know, we're changing things. Things are going better. Well, at that rate, at that rate, you you only need like three more academies, and then you'll be fully staffed, right? That's in theory, yeah, yeah, but you don't know what's going to happen with some other changes that I make. Um, if, for example, I am able to close Ash Street in short time, um, you know, short time being sometime in the first, you know, my first term, but if I'm able to do that, that's going to cause some people to quit. They want to stay working at Ash Street. That's their preference. Um, but that's not a good enough reason for me to continue to run maintenance on 200,000 square feet an operation that's five million dollars a year for a hundred inmates. You know that's how many we we house there on a daily basis is you know up to a hundred inmates. So, um, you know there will be some other attrition, some in, in, like initiatives that are you know some people just don't like change. You know even if these are good things and the vast majority of people like these things, 
some, not, I'm never going to please everyone, and I get that. So we'll do what we can to improve the overall condition. But there will be some other attrition. Was there an exodus when you um, when you took over for uh, for Hodgson? Were there some people that were like, no, I like Tom, and I don't, you know, I don't like, I don't like this new guy. I'm going to leave. I only know of one specific person that did that. The only one specific person said, I am, you know, I refuse to work for, you know, Hero. I'm going to go work in, um, I think it was Plymouth County. Okay. So we're speaking with Bristol County Sheriff Paul Harreau. Uh, he's talking about his aggressive new hiring policies. Um, so you're 100 people short. You've got 31 coming in. Um, you said there might be some, you know, personnel changes, but you you think you're in a in a good spot with the with the new um, with the new uh, hiring practices that you have. So just to just to sort of encapsulate that, you you've got um, the, now it's 18 years old that you're el- uh, that that uh, recruits are are eligible. You have incentives for for college degree, so sort of like a, in certain areas. So we talked about mm-hmm. this before, sort of like a Quinbill type of thing. That's right. And uh, military it, uh, increased uh, bonus, and actually just yesterday. Um, I don't know if this is if I'm saying this is the first time on your program or not. I don't know. That happens a lot with me and you. Yeah, I know. Um, have I talked about the um, six time sellback proposal? You did. You, you, you did, but it actually got drowned out by the Ash Street news the last time you talked about it. So um, let's uh, the when you did, when you announced that you were going to close Ash Street. So tell tell us more about the sick time buyback because I think that's well, pretty uh, a pretty good idea. Yeah, this is another way to put for a regular correctional officer about $3,500 in their pocket every year, or if you're a lieutenant, about $5,500 as much as that. So one of the hard things about the job is that you have there's a lot of forced overtime. And there's actually a number of things I'm doing to almost eliminate overtime. You know, the things I'm looking at, and i got to talk to the union about whether or not they're going to, um, you know, support these ideas. But there's, there's things I can do to virtually eliminate forced overtime. One of the things to help reduce the overtime, and it certainly wouldn't uh, eliminate it, but one of the things is that when you get called in, um, when, when you go into work, um, you're there doing an eight-hour shift, but then somebody else is going to come in after you to relieve you of that, that housing unit where you're uh, working. But sometimes somebody calls in sick, and then you're forced to do another eight hours on that housing unit. And so that's a problem. Um, so you, now you have people working 16-hour shifts. And that's, if you go to work at 7 in the morning and then you get out of work at 11 at night and then you're supposed to go back to work the very next morning at 7 a.m., that's terrible. I mean, I, I get it that people are banging out sick, you know, and, and using sick time. They're sick of work. They need that, that time. So what, I, what I'm offering is when somebody calls out sick, the sick day is worth. 100%. You get, let's just say your 100% is $100, and I'm making up a number. You know, you get $100 for your working fee a day, and it's actually more than that. But um, so now, if you call in, if you don't call in sick, well, let me take a step back. So if you call, if you do call in sick, you, we pay you 100%, but then we also have to pay another person 150% to cover yeah. your post. Right. Because we have to have somebody there. So now we're paying 250%. Um, basically 150% more than we wanted to than if you just came in. So what I want to do, and I'm going to start doing, is buying back sick time that people don't use for 125%. So instead of using your sick day at 100%, that sick day is now worth 125%. 
And you might say, well, how can you afford to buy stuff back at 125% when it's only worth 100%? Well, that's because I'm not spending 150%. Right. I've actually saved 25% doing this. And this only applies to um, correctional officers who, when they call out sick, somebody else is forced to come in to fill their position. So, for example, my administrative assistant, if she calls out sick, nobody fills in for her. She, she just has to come into work the next day, and there's a lot more work on her plate. Sure. So, so it doesn't apply to somebody like my administrative assistant. Um, it doesn't apply to someone like the chief of staff or some of the other senior officers, like a captain or a major, who, you know, if they call in sick, nobody replaces them. It only, it only applies to the forced positions. Um, so this would also be uh, like a program that police could use and fire could use or, um, you know, school teachers where you have to man, uh, like you have to have somebody in that position. So what, so yesterday I sent out an email to everybody saying, hey, the policy is being drafted, but if you want to stop using your sick time, it's totally optional. Just, you know, if you, you want to stop using, save it sometime in the next fiscal year, probably around September, um, I'll buy it back from you. Whatever you don't use that you've accumulated in FY23, I'll buy back from you in FY24. And that could be a pretty hefty payout. It, you know, and so now going forward, doing that, it's going to reduce the amount of sick abuse because now people are going to say, hey, my, this day is worth 125%, not 100%. Right. I get to buy it back now because the other the other change is that the current system or the then current system the, the, um, was that you could buy all these or you could sell all your sick time back for 20% at retirement. So it's like, well, what would you rather do? Would you rather get 125% every year if you save your sick time or would you rather get 20% at retirement? That's a no right. brainer. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so, yeah. So there's little things like that that I'm doing that are trying to make it a better environment to come into work, reduce the amount of forced overtime, in, you know, just, just shuffling things around in a creative way that really will help improve the, uh, the work condition that people are, are looking at. And this, this is just the tip of the iceberg. We're doing a lot of different things. I had uh, several meetings today uh, about other ideas that I need to put together and develop a little bit more, but then we're going to present those to the union, but some, some really creative things to uh, hopefully, I mean, there's one, a couple ideas when put together could virtually eliminate forced overtime. And I had a, um, a room of uh, senior officers in my office today and they said, yeah, this, this could, you know, this, this, you know, some people are going to hate these ideas, but you know, some people hate the way things are, but they also hate change. So you're kind of screwed either way. Okay. And, you know, we, we know you're not going to, you know, make everybody happy. And I'm not going for everybody. If I can get 80% of the people happy 80% of the time, that's the success. So uh, we're speaking with Bristol County Sheriff Paul Harrow. talking about his uh, aggressive hiring campaign that seems to have, uh, at the outset, worked, um, uh, is, is successful considering your recruitment, cl- your next academy class is six times higher than your first one. So, yeah, we- and that's not, that's not a fluke either. I mean, it's like we can pinpoint certain things that our people are citing as hey, the things that we're doing, these new initiatives. Um, it, it was just changes in policies, just changes in practices, you know, so it's not a fluke that these things are happening. So you're looking at your recruiting class and you're saying, okay, this person 
was hired, uh, came to work for us because of this. This person came to work with us because of that, because of these incentives, or they're taking yeah. advantage of them at least. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so we haven't had a double-digit class in a long time is what I've been told. Um, never mind a, a, a class coming in that's six times larger than in the past. So, um, you know, like they said, this, there's a number of things we're doing. It's just, you just got to be a little bit creative, listen to some ideas. Um, and a lot of these ideas that I'm doing, that I'm implementing are honestly, a lot of them are not my ideas. I mean, the sick time sellback, you know, where we buy sick time back, that, that's something I brought here. But the, um, the $5,000 bonus, that wasn't my idea. That was, uh, part of the recruitment and retention board. Uh, it was somebody else's idea that presented that. The, um, the veterans, uh, like a step increase or the college degree, that also, I don't think that was my idea. I'm pretty sure that was somebody else's idea. So it's, it's, a, it's a team effort, but a lot of these ideas have been around for a long time, but they just weren't acted on. And so, but now we're, you know, we're, we're experimenting, we're acting on these things and it's paying off. So we're speaking, we're speaking with Bristol County Sheriff uh, Paul Harrow. You've got, you've got a couple job fairs coming up um, in the next uh few weeks one of them is uh wednesday april i don't have the date i wish i did oh yeah i do I, you have it because i have it right here as well okay well what's you you it's better coming from you okay so the first job fair is april 19th and that's um from 1 to 4 p.m and then there is and that's going to be um at our campus i believe it's on you know on Fonts corner road and then we have um Another one, April 22nd, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and both of these are actually on Fonskin Road, but not at our campus, but they're across the street at the Annex Building where our training academy is. Um, and, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's, the, you know, that, that's the training academy is across the street in the Annex Building, but we're actually looking at bringing that back and rebuilding right. the ICE building so that will no longer ever be an ICE detention center or facility again that's going to be our training academy and you know we're going to be doing some things with that a bunch of different things but yeah these will both uh, april 19th from one to four and april 22nd from 10 to two and both of these are at the annex building at 421 fonts corner road in uh, dartmouth worth uh, noting uh in the press release too it says the starting you have a five thousand dollar bonus signing bonus for new ceos the starting pay for a correctional officer is $57,000 with the opportunity to earn more than $75,000 with overtime and incentives plus, you know, the all the benefits that come with a, a public job. Yeah, I mean, you could be um, 18 years old, 19 years old, 35 years old, um, making as much as $75,000 a year uh, with, you know, all these different things, you know, that – and so there's – and you can – make money faster if you come in with an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree in a certain area. So, you know, but that, that figure of up to $75,000, that actually, that's include that, you, you get that much to 75000 you can, you can get sixty five. you get seventy five. dollars but that's also with a lot of forced overtime. And forced overtime is tough. It is. I'm not going to lie about it, but that's why we're doing a lot of the things we are to reduce the amount of forced overtime uh, because it's actually the COs themselves who cause the forced overtime. You might, some people might get angry with me for saying that, but if you think about it, it, it really is. Because when a CO calls out sick, we are we have to the administration. We have to call force somebody else to stay on so we can run a jail in a safe manner. 
So it's, it's actually SEALs calling out sick that re- causes the for- forced overtime. It's not like we're just pulling it out of the air saying, okay, we're gonna, we don't like you, we're going to force you to stay on it. It's not like that at all. It, it has to do with people calling out sick. So if I can reduce the sick abuse, then we can you know, decrease the uh, forced overtime. So, um, uh, uh, Sheriff, I appreciate you joining me this evening to talk about this. I think um, a, a lot of uh, good job opportunities uh, for people in the area if they want to become uh, a correctional officer at the Bristol County Sheriff's Office. But before I let you go, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about uh, if there was any updates on the uh, feasibility study situation with Ash Street. Yeah, nothing new with that. Um, but, you know, th- that's still something I'm working on with the state legislature. And the, the feasibility study, it- it's interesting you phrased it like that because it's a little bit misleading when we talk about a feasibility study to close Astry. That's actually not what we're looking at doing. It's not a feasibility study to close Astry. It's a feasibility study to retrofit space on uh, in Dartmouth so that we can bring the inmates over from Ash Street. So it's it's kind of, it, it, you might say, well, that's semantics, whatever, but it's, it, it would ultimately go to that, but the, the actual money to study is studying darkness, not, not Ash Street. Um, but I will actually offer up one more thing. I, I talked you know, really quickly on recruitment issues. Sure. I talked about the um, director of inmate services where I put all treatment programming uh, re-entry services, food, medical, all that stuff, education, all under one person. And over the last week, I've uh, really ramped up my efforts on that where I'm drafting the job descriptions. And we are going to be hiring probably around a dozen or so uh, caseworkers. These are people who would, um, they're different than the classification counselors. I kind of redrafted that that job description. And, you know, so we're, you know, people that want to get involved, but they don't want to be a correctional officer, but they want to still work with inmates and really try and get them back on their feet. And really, you know, you got a lot of people coming out of college and they want to save the world. And, you know, they, so there's, we have, I'm creating new positions for them to really help usher those inmates along through the programming and discharge planning. And it's going to be a lot more robust and there's going to be a lot more to it. But, but that's something that, um, Probably on my 100 days, like we're going to do a, a press conference on my 100 days to talk about all the different things. I'll unveil the new org chart, um, which I've been developing over the last probably couple months. Um, you know, so that that will and then how we're going to address inmate services. But this, that's, you know, we're going to need more staff to do that well, because if we when's hire your, more when yeah. When's your 100 days? Uh, when's your hun- when is your 100 days? Like when, what date is that? Do you know? I think that'll be like April 14th or something around there. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so it's something, it's a couple weeks from now, two, three weeks from now. Cool. Um, but yeah, probably cl- closer to three weeks from now. But th- that will be, like I said, what, you know, you'll get an invitation to that and, you know, we'll show you what we've done, but also what's coming. And uh, you might say, well, we're hiring all these people. How is that helping? We hire more people to really dedicated to um, uh, services and programming. We can helpfully get people back on their feet so they don't come back into jail. And if they do that, then we're saving money on the back end. You know, a little investment up front, save it on the back end. Well, it's, it's just, yeah. Right, so, so that's good. Um, just so to clarify on that, in, in the coming weeks or, or the coming weeks, you'll you'll you know you'll be announcing a, an opportunity for caseworkers too to, to start um, to to apply for jobs at the Bristol County Sheriff's Office uh, as well. So people who want to get involved in corrections but don't necessarily want to be a CO. Um, can have some opportunity there with your new uh, inmate services, um, you yeah. know, department structure. 
the person, yeah, that's right. The person who would be ideally suited for this is somebody who comes in with a, like a bachelor's degree in psychology, sociology, or social work, or something like that, even criminology or criminal justice, um, or somebody who has prior, you know, casework experience. People who want to really work with inmates and really try and encourage them to improve their lives. And, you know, that's the, you know, that's the type of person we're going to be looking for who, um, because some people are more, you know, paramilitary minded, so they can be correctional officers. Other people are, um, you know, they, they're, you know, kind of like the, the so-called liberal do-gooders and they really want to save the world and everything. We got a place for them too. Um, and the two of them would work hand in hand. So that, and then I'm also going, I'm posting, I'm in the process of creating the job description, but posting the, um, the director of inmate services, which is going to be a direct report to me. And I'm taking all uh, things that report all over the place. I'm going to put under one person and say, okay, this is, you're, you're responsible for these things rather than have things be watered down and, um, you know, kind of stretched thin among other people. That's going to be a, have a lot more sense of purpose and a lot more strategic plan associated with inmate programming because, quite honestly, it's just it. You got a lot of people working there; they're trying to do a good job and everything, but they're stretched so thin, and there's really no strategic plan from taking somebody from admissions discharge where everybody is afforded the same opportunities. It, it really just doesn't exist right now. So that's something that I'm working with the staff, learning about what they're doing and saying, okay, let's. Let's um, build on what you're doing. Make it more efficient. You know, get you know, make it so that you're not watered down so much and stretched too thin. And you know, we'll have to get more staff in there to really deliver these services. So, I'm be, I'm really ramping that up, and that that's going to be a big change. And I, I campaigned on that. Though. I mean, this is something that was um, it's, yeah. it's not a new new idea. Did you have anybody specific in mind for that position? No, I don't. The director of inmate services, I don't have anybody in mind. Um, when I came on board, I had somebody in mind to be my chief of staff, my budget director, my general counsel, my administrative assistant. Those are four positions I brought on. But this particular position is a newly created position, and I don't have anybody in mind. For this. So we're going to post it, and we'll take you know resumes, do interviews. And I, somebody who would fill this position would probably be somebody who – they might have like run a hospital in the past or a CVNA or a nursing home or, you know, they, they understand medical, food, mental health programs, you know, because those are things that happen at, at like residential facilities where you have, or, you know, kind of offer wraparound services. So this isn't going to be somebody who comes in um, is sort of a specialist at drug treatment that I'm, I'm looking for a senior manager, somebody who has experience running an organization, you know, this is, or an operation, because this is there's going to be a lot of staff under this person and a lot of different programs, and they 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 know how to multitask and juggle multiple things. And are they an expert at any one of those things? No, they don't need to be, but they know they have to have that experience of understanding, you know, like I said, medical issues, mental health issues, addiction issues, regular programming, education, food, you know, like a person that ran a hospital or a CVNA or nursing home, that would be the ideal person. Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro, I appreciate you joining me this evening. We'll, uh, we'll talk more in the future. Cool. Thanks, Marcus. Take care. That was Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro, um, and uh, certainly an aggressive a recruitment campaign that seems to be working, uh, considering uh, you know to go from a five-member uh, uh, class to a 31-member class. It looks like um, they're they're aggressive uh, hiring 
practices have uh, have have um, have paid dividends uh, already. So um, good stuff. Uh, so five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. I'm gonna take a break. <coughs> Welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. So you can join us. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. That was Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro again. Um, announcing today that the recruitment age for correctional officers is going to be 18 years old. Um, that was down from 19, which uh, gives them a lot more flexibility in the ways that they can retain, recruit and retain people. Uh, so, you know, uh, it makes sense because when you're 18, you start deciding, you're usually to start deciding what, what options you're going to take for your career. And if you wanted to pursue a career in corrections, um, you know, you can do that. And uh, it gives them more flexibility for job fairs and all that other stuff. So definitely an interesting conversation. I think I was, it's striking to hear that there was um, a, the, the, um, the class uh, that, that they sent to the academy has increased Sixfold from five to thirty-one. Um, that's really that's a that's a pretty big that's a pretty big jump. And um, it looks like these incentives. Uh, he said these. It's because of these incentives. So um, that's the the incentives are. And just so people know, there's a story on WBSM.com. You can check out uh, if you, if uh, if you want to learn more about it. If you're looking for a career in corrections. But individuals with certain college degrees and incentives for people with prior military or first responder experience, we explained that sort of like the Quinn bill, um, certain degrees and certain levels degrees uh, amount in a higher uh, pay. That That's something that is for uh, a lot of people in um, a lot of uh, cities and towns in the Commonwealth and law enforcement offer the, the Quinn bill. Um, in a five thousand dollars signing bonus, again fifty seven thousand dollars starting pay, seventy up to seventy five thousand uh, dollars with overtime and incentives. So, um, so five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how you can get on the program this evening. You can also check out uh, the article on wbsm.com. And uh, on the WBSM app, that's probably the easiest way to read stuff, honestly. If you don't have the app, I'd really strongly suggest downloading it. Um, you can go to the homepage. Uh, it's right there in the, um, you know, you, you click on the app. You can listen. You can listen while you browse, too. Um, you can listen to the app while you are browsing. So if you're listening to South Coast Night on the app, you can go back. You can go to news. And they can get all the updates there. You can go, you can just click on the WBSM icon and you can get the updates that way as well. So, um, yeah, that, you know, it's always good when the sheriff comes on because, uh, we usually make some news. Um, you know, I remember famously he, uh, he had, he casually announced that he was going to, um, close or he had a plan to close Ash Street, which, uh, you know, he's, he said before he's, he was reluctant to commit to that at first, but now that he's seen sort of what, you know, he wants to do in terms of his vision for the corrections there. It's something that he's more enthusiastic about now than he was before. So 508 996 We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. This is South Coast Tonight. New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. I'm a wife and the mother of two kids, and I've got a good job. Bye, Mom. See you, Mom. A pretty important job because of my family and my job. 
I really care about this neighborhood. It's a good neighborhood. Yes, there's some crime. And when I drive to work, like now, I realize that some people here don't trust the police. So the police should be reaching out to this community. And this community should reach out to the police. That's the way to make this a safer place. And when I get to work in the precinct house and put on my uniform, I can tell you as a police officer that this department is reaching out to the community. And the community is doing its part. We're building partnerships. This should be happening everywhere. This is how we can all be safer. Get involved. Start the conversation. Start the conversation and help stop crime. To learn the five things you can do, go to ncpc.org slash preventviolentcrime. A message from the National Crime Prevention Council and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. One in four Americans have a disability. I'm one of them. I'm also a working mom who cares deeply about making sure every child with a disability thrives by getting their access needs met. We've got a trusted ally by our side. Easter Seals provides children and families the foundation for lifelong success through early learning programs, skills training, and prep for college and career. That's my Easter Seals. Make it yours. Join us at EasterSeals.com. Pollution from trucks is a public health crisis. Diesel-burning trucks belch dangerous levels of pollution, and communities living near ports and along freight corridors breathe especially high levels of this dirty air. But this crisis has a solution. My name is Sasan Sadat, and I work for Earth Justice. I'm working to clean up our air quality, particularly for communities that bear the burden of diesel pollution. For the sake of our lungs, our health, and our climate, the future of trucking in this country has got to be zero emissions. Until then, I will never rest. Earth Justice is a national legal nonprofit defending the environment and people's health. Earth Justice is fighting to save lives, protect our climate, and strengthen our economy through the shift to zero emissions. If clean air matters to you, visit us at earthjustice.org. Earth Justice, because the earth needs a good lawyer. I want to be a doctor because that's a really important job. I would hope kids get better and make everything super fun. I'd have a cool waiting room with games, toys, and a huge TV. If your child is sick over and over again, it could be PI, a serious defect of the immune system. Early testing gives children a chance to dream. And I'll give every kid a cherry lollipop because that's the best flavor. Jeffrey Modell Foundation, helping children reach for their dreams. Visit info4pi.org. This time next week, I'll be sick in bed with West Nile virus. Thanks to a mosquito bite right in front of my house. In eight minutes, my daughter will be in an ambulance having an asthma attack triggered by cockroaches. I'm going to be bitten by a tick today. I won't even know it until Lyme disease turns my life upside down. Learn how to protect your family at pestworld.org. A public service message from the National Pest Management Association and the CDC. Take South Coast tonight with you wherever you go. Stream Chris and Marcus on the WBSM app or get their podcast on the app at WBSM.com. Now back to South Coast tonight. Welcome back to South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening. Uh, just closing out um, the final 10 or so minutes of the show. But um, I do want to say we did have some, uh, again, I, I, I kicked it. Because uh, there was, you know, obviously when we got breaking news, uh, we had, we got to roll with that. Um, but the two members, of the two candidates for Dartmouth School Committee, they're going to be joining us next week. 
I want to clear skies. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in New Bedford today, and I just feel like those candidates that deserved the attention that they deserve. So they'll be on next week, the two candidates for Dartmouth School Committee, Eric Marinci and Kathleen Amaral. Also, uh, we're, we've scheduled a couple other candidates for Fairhaven School Committee. Um, Brian Monroe's on the schedule. Stephanie Pickup's on the schedule. I've reached out to other the other uh, candidates and working on reaching out to the other candidates as well to see if they're interested in coming on and joining us. But we're following those races as well. It seems like the school committee races in the towns uh, locally are the ones that are really getting all the attention, which I think is indicative of sort of that national trend uh, that's happening where you're seeing a lot of the political culture wars happen in these school committee school committee elections so people are are hyper focused on them uh people are hyper focused on them now with all of the uh, hot button issues and i think a lot of that has to do with you know basically i think conservatives trying to um sort of make uh, education a um you know sort of weaponized education uh for political purposes frankly but 508-996-0500 is how you can join us uh for the rest of the evening tomorrow chris and i are joined by new bedford mayor or former new bedford mayor scott lang so that'll be fun uh looking forward to talking with mayor lang in the um in the uh uh during the during the show we also have chad finn who is a Reporter from the Boston Globe, he's going to be joining us to talk about, uh, to give a preview of the Red Sox uh, uh, season uh, and talk about a book that he, along with uh, other members of the Globe staff, wrote about the Boston Red Sox. We know there's a lot of Red Sox fans out there. And uh, so, um, you know, that'll be interesting to talk with Mr. Finn. And I know uh, Mayor Lang's a, a big baseball guy as well. So uh, I know Mayor Lang's going to have a lot to say about a lot of the, the, the what's transpired um, in the uh, in New Bedford recently. So we'll, we'll definitely be hearing from him on that. But again, next week we have uh, Dartmouth School Committee races we're featuring, Fairhaven School Committee races. Uh, we've got a bunch of other guests scheduled. I know Ted Nisi is going to be joining us on Monday to talk about a documentary he's worked on. So a lot of good stuff planned ahead uh, as well. So you'll definitely want to tune in for all of that. But 508 996 I'm going to take another break. Along with the school committee races, another store, uh, another uh, Fairhaven story that we're tracking is the uh, move to override Proposition Two and a Half, which Chris and I have talked about, and it's in an effort to um, uh, expand the uh, uh, the number, the staffing levels at the Fairhaven Fire Department. So, um, I've talked to some members of the select. Well, I talked to a member of the select board. I'll see if I can reach out to others um, and other people that may want to join in on that conversation because that one's going to be really important for you and me and all the other taxpayers in Fairhaven. We definitely want to you know, make sure that if we do this, if we give the town uh, permission to override um, our tax, uh, the limit on our uh, – the levy limit on our taxes that we're going to um, – that we're going to – you know, it's going to be put to something that um, – it's going to be, you know, expended. It's going to be expended prudently, basically. So we'll, we'll definitely be talking. I know Leon Corey's looking to join me sometime next week. Um, 
uh, Faven Selectman. We'll, we'll reach out to other people too to see if we can get some other other uh, people involved in this process. You know, we did speak with Fire Union President Kevin Gonzalez about that, and that was one of the ideas uh, that they had had. One of the things that the union was pushing for was the Prop Two and a Half override. So, again, really important for you, me, and all the other taxpayers in Fairhaven. Um, so, we want to make sure that uh, this this if if this is going to happen, it's going to be done prudently and for a good purpose. So. Um, 508-996-0500 is how you can call in if you want to call in, let's say tomorrow, because I'm running out of time here. But again, tomorrow, New Bedford Mayor Scott Lang, former New Bedford Mayor Scott Lang, uh, Chad Finn, who is a Boston Globe reporter, going to be talking about a book that they put together on the Red Sox that you might want to check out if you're a baseball guy. And, of course, we'll just be talking about everything that's happened locally, especially in New Bedford, because I know Mayor Lang's going to have some very unfiltered opinions uh, about the whole thing. So that's pretty much it. Thanks for joining me tonight. Thanks to Paul Harrow, uh, Bristol County Sheriff Paul Harrow, New Bedford School Committee members Ross Grace and Bruce Oliveira. If you missed any of, uh, of the action tonight, you can check out the South Coast Tonight podcast uh, that is available anywhere podcasts are offered and uploaded immediately.